What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Turn-Based. As I'm sure you've noticed, we went on another hiatus. Um, there's really no reason for it. We're just lazy. But we're going to start recording more often. I promise this time again. So you can look forward to that. But first, let's just go ahead and introduce yourselves. As you can tell, I'm David Jagno, your normal host as of late. And I've got two people with me here. Go ahead and introduce yourself, fellas. Yeah, this is Gary Swaby. Um, you've heard me on all the turn-based episodes so far, so you should be familiar with me. You know, I'm the um, UK editor at Coalition.com, and it's good to be back on turn-based. Introducing the new editor-in-chief of the Coalition.com. Yes, good afternoon, listeners. This is, uh, you know, Richard Bailey. As David just stated, I'm new editor-in-chief over at thecoalition.com. And for those oh. of you that are fans of Term Base and the co-op, I can promise you one thing. It will be a lot more consistent because I'm going to be one of the people in charge of making sure it's consistent. So, Uh-oh. Laying down that law. <laughs> He's going to get us in shape, get us in order. Yeah. All right. He's so. Gonna- going to have us doing our hundred setups every day and all that stuff. <laughs> have montages of us working out like Rocky. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and get right into it, what we've all been playing as of late. Um, I've started The Walking Dead. I'm about three and a half episodes in, so I should be finished with that either today or tomorrow. Um, on the RPG front, I've been playing Ragnarok Odyssey. My review for that's up on the site now. It's a, it's a fun little action RPG for the Vita. It's it's good to have a game like that on the Vita because the quest you can do in, you know, 15 to 30 minutes for the most part. So it's very easy to pick up and play in short periods of time. Um, it, it's fun. It You know, it, it doesn't revolutionize anything. It doesn't really introduce a whole lot of new mechanics or new ideas, but it's well done. The graphics are nice for a handheld. Uh, there's, you know, the gameplay is addictive enough. There's a lot of stuff to collect, tons of stuff to do. So, I mean, I think it's a really good game for a Vita, and it's a game that I've been kind of wanting to play on the Vita, since it doesn't really have any RPGs, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later. Um, What's the um, combat system like on that? Because I haven't read the review yet. It's pretty much just a button masher. You run into... Uh, the way the quests work is you get a quest, go out into the world, and then it's just a bunch of maps that are connected. So they're kind of like small rooms that are interconnected. And uh, combat, you can lock on to your enemy. There's a few different buttons you can do to string together different combos and stuff. Uh, there's six different classes, so you can do like a, a mage, a cleric, a warrior with a sword. You can have bow and arrow. You can have a hammer. So there's a bunch of different types of stuff. You can change your class at any time, so you can mix and match whenever you want. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. I mean, the combat isn't very deep. You don't really learn new abilities, per se. But um, whenever you play, you find different cards to equip that augment your abilities and change your stats and stuff like that. So there's not a leveling system, but instead you just unlock and find new cards to put on your character and new gear to increase your stats. It's pretty fun, though. Um, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Liberation. That review will be up on the site soon. Um... Then, yeah, Guild Wars 2 every now and then whenever I get the chance. Uh, PlayStation All-Stars. The game's pretty addicting. It's pretty awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, that's about it. 
Yep. Um, so for what I've been playing, I played Assassin's Creed 3, completed that now. Uh, it was pretty cool. I played some Halo 4, Battlefield 3, and I've played some Guild Wars 2 as well. So nothing, not, not a lot of new stuff really, but you know, just playing games here and there just to, to fit gaming in around my schedule and stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you, Rich? Yeah, well, I've actually finished The Walking Dead. And like I said, you know, I will be talking a lot more about this game this week on the site because I've already have some articles I've written up about the game itself. But I will say this right now. Uh, this needs to be game of the year. That's, and that's all I'm going to say. I will elaborate on that further. Uh, you know, you know, you got to check out the site later this week to see why I say these things. And, of course, the next co-op, I'm pretty sure we'll have a discussion about the game as well. But pretty much I played a lot of that game. I was playing a lot of Halo 4 multiplayer. Uh, besides that, pretty much nothing else. I did pick up Assassin's Creed and Hitman, but uh, have not had the time to play them just yet. But we'll be talking about that. One one other game that I am going to be getting is Far Cry 3, and that does have some open-world elements in it as well as being a first-person shooter, but it's not really related to RPGs. I mean, there could be some elements in there. I'm not really for sure yet because I haven't played it yet, but I figure, well, I'll talk about that at an, on, on, on a later show. But for now, that's pretty much it. Cool, cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into the topics for the day. We're doing a little bit of a different format this time since it's more of a catch-up episode instead of a full-on episode. So we're not going to be doing really a spotlight segment or anything like that or any special focuses. We're just really going to cover a few different topics. Um, So first off, let's go ahead and talk about something that most people are probably aware of by now, Um, the fact that BioWare has already confirmed that they are working on another Mass Effect game. They haven't named it or anything like that, but for the most part, we're just going to call it Mass Effect 4 for right now, since it's the fourth game. But uh, it's probably not going to be within that same area that Shepard was in, because they stated his story was over. So on the on uh, his Twitter, Casey Hudson's been asking fans whether or not they want to see a game that takes place in the future after they have, well, after the end of Mass Effect 3, or a prequel leading up to the humans going into space, or what kind of game they would want to see. Um, so we don't really know a whole lot so far, but I figure we could talk a little bit about what we expect from the game based on the taste that Mass Effect 3 left in our mouths. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and leave it at that. Do you have any thoughts about Bioware's handling of the franchise, Gary? Um... Well, I mean, you know, after Mass Effect 3, they've kind of, they, they kind of left a bad aura on the, on the whole series. So it's like, you know, it, it's hard not to picture negative things when thinking of the next game. Because, you know, automatically you're thinking, are they going to be able to, you know, bring back the magic that, you know, Mass Effect had before they ruined it with, with the last? So, I mean, I'm just hoping that they can bring it back. I definitely think it should be a new story completely. Just, you know, completely forget about the Shepard thing, move on and tell another story, build new characters and everything and just hopefully do everything the right way this time. 
Yeah, I agree. The The problem I have is that either it's going to be a prequel, which I think would be pretty cool. I would like to see the story of how the humans got to space and everything like that. Maybe see Anderson in his prime whenever he was considered to be a specter and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, the problem I have with that, though, is that we already know what happened, so we know that it's not going to be anywhere near as epic as yeah. the Reapers. And then so that means yeah. maybe if they do something in the future. But the problem with that is, I mean, if after the ending of Mass Effect 3, the Reapers are pretty much out of the question regardless of what ending you pick. So, I mean, what they're either going to have to come up with some brand new alien race that no one has ever heard of again, and it's just going to be the same story, or... It's going to be on a far smaller scale, and it's once again not going to be at the level that the original trilogy was. So it yeah, can, it, so yeah, it, I mean, it just seems like whatever kind of threat they come up with in the next games, it just won't live up to what the Reapers were, because you know they were built up pretty well in the first two games. Oh so, yeah, I mean, the entire second yeah. game really didn't advance the plot at all. Like it was just a game to build up to the finale. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to top that. I think that if they're going to be able to create something as compelling as the original three, instead of, I mean, obviously they're not going to go this route because, you know, of the things they've done in the past. But if they tried to refocus on the narrative instead of trying to make it an action game, I think they could be successful, but they're not going to do that. Yeah, they're not going to do that. So well, what do you think, Rich? I know you're a Mass Effect fan. Well, as far as Mass Effect 4 is concerned, knowing EA and, you know, their love of making money, I would not be surprised if this will be a new trilogy instead of just another prequel. Because I know, you know, one thing that they kept stating was that people need to save the Mass Effect 3 saves, which I thought was pretty interesting to say that because clearly (coughs) Shepard is no longer going to be in any more games, or at least you would assume so, but um, I mean, it would have to be a new trilogy, a new new direction, uh, hopefully they will bring back some more of the cast of characters that they had previously, but as far as the threat, I think you make a good point when you're saying, well, the Reapers is out of the question, but then again, what it was the real ending of the game, because I don't know if you guys saw like the the most worst ending that you could get when it's like everything went went to shit even even worse um and basically you just have uh you know you just you have Liaria talking about you know if you are watching this you know maybe you have a chance at 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 uh, at, at ending all the destruction everything that has happened but i mean i'm not for sure about that either i just know for sure that shepherd obviously is gone uh whether he's dead or or not but once again it's about what what was the real ending to begin with so i think that they can take that in several different directions but uh for right now i would have to believe that the next game is meant to be bigger because as like i said before ea will be looking to capitalize off this series people know that the two main doctors over at bio bioware are no longer in the house so therefore, that's going to mean that, you know, and of course the game will be out on the next-gen consoles. They're going to want that thing to last all of next-gen. So I would have to believe it has to be another trilogy as opposed to a prequel. 
Well, they could pull a Star Wars into a prequel trilogy. That's, oh, I mean that's, that's possible. I kind of don't want them to do a prequel, to be honest. Like, I would rather them do something new because you know we already there's already been a lot of backstory, and the books cover a lot of the backstory as well. That's so. very true. I think that yeah. a game that takes place in the future is more likely. I'm glad you brought up the extended cut ending because, okay, for that, for them to use that would first mean that they've completely given up on their original endings. It would also mean that it would basically just reset the universe and they would just be fighting the Reapers again in the future. Because in that extended cut ending, the Reapers just came in, destroyed everything, and reset the cycle like they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they went with that ending for the future games, that just means that it's just going to be reset back to how it was at the beginning of the trilogy for the most part. And, I mean, if they're just going to reuse the Reapers like that, then I don't even know if I want to play the game. If, they're not, yeah. if they don't even have the creativity to come up with a different plot. So, I mean, hopefully they try to incorporate the original endings that they had planned. Um, I mean, they're all very similar, so it's not like it really matters what ending you picked if they want you to keep your save. So, I mean, I I think that there are some interesting places that it can go. Um, I think, like, they're they're never going to be able to top the Reapers at, as you know, like the big enemy or whatever. But I think that they can take a different direction and, you know, maybe, like, cover political issues or something like that. Because one thing Dragon Age 2 did was it took you away from the main build-up of the first game, which was the Darkspawn and the, the Arc Demon or whatever. Like, it took you away from that and it put you in the setting of a political, you know, a political plot, basically. They could they could go in that direction and just like you said focus heavily on the narrative. Yeah, I mean that that would be ideal because it would be a nice change of pace. And I know that the people that loved Mass Effect One um, enjoyed a lot of Mass Effect Two, but could tell what the different directions were. And then Mass Effect Three, a lot of people didn't like. And for I think the reasons why is because they got away from that original vil- vision of making it like a grand tale a massive narrative with a big open world and everything like that and they instead kind of made it more action focused and i'm not saying that i think that it turned out bad i think mass effect 2 is overall a better game than the first one and i think the third one could have been like one of the best games ever but i feel like they're getting farther and farther away from that original vision that would make the series amazing again so I, i don't really know if i have a whole lot of confidence in them anymore especially since the original founders are gone um, I mean, I hope. I mean, uh, it's also a different studio is developing this new game. It's the their new studio in Edmonton. I think the one in Montreal is the one that originally developed the uh, or their Quebec studio or something like that. One of the other studios is the one that originally worked on one and two. So, oh, okay. well, I just have a question though. That this other studio is this the same studio that worked on Medal of Honor? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Medal of Honor is. I hope not. Not developed by Bioware. Well, no, I say that because uh, you know they said that the game is going to use Frostbite Four engine, so yeah, I would be a little concerned about that. Well, there's a difference between a developer and a publisher. 
just because EA is publishing both and they're both using the same engine, a totally different company is developing. Like, yeah, this, this Medal is, of Honor isn't even Bioware at all. That's it's a shooter. Oh no! Oh no! No, I know that, but I figure, yeah, EA, yeah, they definitely going to be looking to my. See, my my thought is that they will look to what they did for the Medal of Honor series, and as far as how it looked graphically, everyone I know says that that was one of the better looking games EA released this year. Medal of Honor, so I'm thinking they will probably use that as a model when Bioware goes ahead and does Mass Effect 4. Yeah, what they sometimes do is like they send experts from like different divisions within EA to you know the different developers to to give them help developing on the engines and stuff. So you know they might actually send someone who worked on Medal of Honor to Bioware for for like a day or something or a week or whatever just to you know, help them do specific things on the engine, I guess. Yeah. So that sort of stuff does happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, the people that developed Medal of Honor aren't going to be developing Mass Effect 4. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) And, you know, speaking of Bioware, um, there's already been a little bit of news about Dragon Age 3. And uh, I know Gary has already you know, spilled his soul about this on the site. So um, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about what you know about Dragon Age 3. Uh, yeah, so basically it's called... Um, the What was it called? Something to do Inquisition. with the Inquisition. Yeah, the Inquisition. Um, and it's going to be set in Orlais, which is like their kind of... It's like their little take on France basically, and, uh, I mean, so far they, they haven't really, they haven't really given us any clue that is gonna touch on any of the subject matter from Dragon Age Origins, so it kind of seems like it's, it's something completely fresh from both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2, uh, which will probably disturb a lot of hardcore fans of the first game, but, I mean, I just have no hope for the game, cause especially because the founders have left now, and just the, the overall direction of Bioware now is just, you know, it's it's like the games just get worse, and they never manage to to keep hold of what made the games what they were in the first place. So you know, I just have no hope for Dragon Age Three, even though it's one of my favorite franchises this generation. But, I mean, you've played a little bit of the games, Dave. Uh, I think you got, like, halfway or something. What's your overall thought on the series and the direction from coming from somebody who hasn't, you know, beat, beat like, Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2? Yeah, I haven't played 2 at all. I got pretty far into 3. I had almost united all of the different areas. I mean, not 3, the first one. Um... I mean, it's it's a great game. I can definitely see where all the fandom comes from, and I think that I'm I'm hoping that the fallout that happened with Dragon Age Two will some send a signal to them in some way to tell them what they need to focus on for the third game. Uh, I don't know how much you can actually trust that because, I mean, as you saw with 
you know, the way that they handled the second game, it seems like they're going to continue down the same path, especially since they're using an engine that was made for a shooter. I don't, I mean, it's a great engine. It's beautiful, but it seems like, I don't know. It just, it's, it leaves kind of, it makes you wonder what their focus is going to be. If they're going to move away from the sort of slower tactical combat that made the first one so interesting and move into more action friendly and fast paced and, ultra realistic and gory game i mean it could be mm. cool and everything but that's not really what dragon age was about so exactly. i don't know i mean i'll have to wait yeah, and see you go ahead i was just gonna say because what, what made the first game so special is it was really strong on the narrative like it was it was well written the plot was you know amazing there was so many different stories being told the character development was probably some of the best character development I've seen in games this generation. And, you know, the combat was... it. I mean, it, the, the game might not look very good. It might not look appealing, you know, when you're looking at screenshots and all that stuff. It might not look great graphically. But the gameplay was... It was pretty good for what it... You know, for, for what type of game it is. You know, it was very tactical. You, it allowed you to build up characters the way you wanted to build them. And there was just so many different options. And then, you know, in the second game, they just kind of took all of that away from you. And it was just more action-orientated. It played like Dynasty Warriors or something. So, I mean, that that's really what it boils down to when it comes to how much they changed the game. Yeah. It was like the, the first game was just like the perfect balance of everything. Yeah, that... that it, uh what you said about the graphics that um that's only because it's a, it was a PC but the PC version graphics is far better than the uh the console version but uh yeah everyone loves the first game that's all I kept hearing was people telling me how good the first one was yeah i mean a lot of people don't understand why i like that game so much but i mean if you if you're into rpgs and and stuff like that, like, and you play that game from beginning to end, you'll understand, you know, why it was so special. Oh, yeah. It's definitely at the very top of my need-to-play in my backlog list. Uh-oh. So, yeah. I will get around to it eventually. I've, I've finished most of it. I think that's part of the reason why I'm having trouble going back and replaying it is because I got pretty close to the end. I had already did all the stuff with the, um... With the werewolves and the elves, I had already did all of the dwarf stuff. I did, I mean, I had finished a large majority of the game, so it's hard for me to go back and replay the stuff that I still remember pretty well. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to lie that there are certain parts of the game that are very tedious, you know, at, at certain times to play through. Like the Fade, for example, which a lot of people hate. Um, there are tedious parts like that. But the thing is, the storyline was so strong that it just forced you to keep playing through those those hard parts. And, you know, once you got through it, you felt rewarded by knowing what's happening next and what you've got to do now. And, you know, what just you just feel like you're changing. You're actually changing the world by progressing. So it, it's just amazing how it makes you feel. I think the characters are the strongest part of the game, like you said. It, it's very much like Mass Effect in that 
part of the reason why you play the game is just to talk to the characters and see how they develop throughout the course of the games. You know, yeah. I I probably would have stopped playing Mass Effect if it didn't have, you know, the saves that carried over and all the interesting characters and all the choices you can make. I mean, the gameplay itself was pretty good, but if the that narrative stuff and the character-driven plot, if that wasn't there, I probably wouldn't really continue playing. So I think that Dragon, the first Dragon Age had that. It had the characters you wanted to talk to where you could, you know, based on what you did, different characters would, you know, respect you more. They might dislike you more. You actually had to manage those relationships. And I think that, yeah. I mean, from what I've heard from you and what I've seen, the second game doesn't really have that. Yeah, it doesn't. And, I mean, just the fact that, I mean, in Mass Effect, you know, when you play from Mass Effect 1 to 2 to 3, you know, you're generally around a lot of the same characters, you know, depending on who survives or whatever. But with Dragon Age, it's like, in the second game, they completely changed all the characters. I mean, there are some returning characters who come back as NPCs and, you know, just characters in story and stuff. But there's not really... You don't carry over your your actual team from the first game. So it's kind of like they're just taking away all those relationships that you built up in the first game, and that's what put a lot of people off as well. Yeah, so, I mean... Moral of the story is Bioware is destroying the things that we love. <laughs> and Or EA is probably is more accurate. Yeah. But that being said, they have the chance to redeem themselves. They they can do it. I know they can. But I don't know if they will. Uh, they can't. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> Let, let's just move on before I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to something happier, something that we've actually enjoyed recently. Uh, Guild Wars 2, still a fun game, still awesome. Uh, the problem that I'm personally finding is that it's a little bit, just like any MMO, it's it's daunting. It's I Now I understand how people feel whenever they tell me, oh, I don't play Elder Scrolls because I feel like there's too much to do. That's kind of how Guild Wars 2 is for me. I didn't think I'd ever get to that point with the game. But it's gotten to the point where I feel like if I get if I start playing again very much, then I'm going to get sucked into it. And I'm I'm kind of scared, honestly. I don't I don't really want it to take over my life again. That's kind of what it did whenever it first came out. And yeah. I mean it's it's it makes me nervous to think that, you know, if I started playing that game again very much, then it could very easily take over my life, and it's kind of scary. I mean, with that being said, I, I do play it every now and then, maybe, you know, a couple times a week, just for an hour or two. And I still have fun doing that, which is really good, because most MMOs, you have to give that investment to get your money's worth. And since there's no subscription fee and there's so much to do, you can pretty much play it at your own pace, which I think is really good. And so what, what yeah. are your experiences with the game so far? I think your highest character is about half the level of mine, so you haven't played it quite as much but i know that you still like it yeah i mean i've got well i've got a character who's level 37 and one that's level 13 so i mean if you add those two up because i've been switching from from both of those pretty frequently but um i mean i pretty much agree with everything you said like um guild wars 2 just makes me wish that uh, i didn't have a life so that i could just you know 
actually progress because every time I look at that map and it says like 20% world completion I'm like wow you know like imagine <laughs> if I can get to like imagine how long it would take me to get to like 50% or you know 80% or something like that because the world is just so huge and you know it just feels like there's always something to do like there's always something new to see and um, the fact that they're adding those one-time events and all that stuff, like the one we played last week, I think that's kind of cool because, you know, even if you haven't got the time to play Guild Wars 2 all the time, you know, it, it will it will kind of encourage you to play it at certain times just so you can witness something that will only ever happen once inside the game. And, yeah. you know, that sort of thing brings players together as well it brings guilds together teams together friends together whatever so I, I like that idea yeah i do too i think it's really great and it just kind of goes back to the whole premise of the game that arena ned made is you know when you buy the game and then they're going to continue to deliver content to you i mean the halloween yeah. stuff was like a week-long extravaganza of one-time events and they had this one over the past weekend where it was a big world event where, based on what happened, it it could actually change the world. And it's stuff like that that makes the game so unique. I know that other games out there like Rift, other MMOs have dynamic stuff that kind of pops up every now and then. But, I mean, Guild Wars 2 really, that that's the core of the game. It's not an extra side thought. Like, the yeah. even the whole overall storyline itself you get to make choices throughout that kind of shape what happens around your character. I mean, eventually you get to a point where it's going to be the same no matter what character you pick because you you know, you know, fight the big bad dragon at the end or whatever, but the first 30 or so levels of every character is going to be unique. And I think that's something really impressive that not, that pretty much no other MMO besides maybe Old Republic can really say that they've ever even came close to doing. Yeah, and when you think of the value you get from Guild Wars 2, I mean, you buy the game once, and then you never have to pay another penny, like, unless you want to, like, because you can buy certain things in the game if you want to, but you're not, you're never forced to buy any of that stuff, like, I've never felt forced to buy anything else, so the the value you get from owning that game is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, It's probably the you know the game that i think this year i have got the most out of as far as a value proposition and you know the amount of time i put in and fun i've got out versus the money so i don't know i mean it's hard to say that an mmo is my game of the year just because you know it's constantly changing it's hard to really explain the experience to people that haven't tried it you know all that kind of stuff but i mean out of all the games that have came out this year that game I had the highest expectations for, and it exceeded all of them. So, for me, I think that it is probably the one game I've had the most fun playing this year, so far. Yeah. What about you, Rich? Are you jealous, or are you just not care? <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, I definitely would love to play a lot of these games. I do believe that in 2013... I will have a gaming PC, so therefore I'll be able to, you know, explore a lot of different things, a lot of different games that I normally would, wouldn't wouldn't have played, because uh, you know, 
yeah, consoles are very limited as far as, you know, PlayStation has exclusives, which are great. Xbox only has one exclusive, you know, and I'm not talking about Gears of War. Obviously, it's Halo. But at the end of the day, I mean, PC, you can get pretty much every game that you want, aside from some specific exclusives. And the games are much, much cheaper. So I'm definitely going to make that switch at some point in time. But, uh, yeah, Guild Wars 2, I definitely want to play that. I definitely would love to play, you know, some Diablo. Get to see what the uh, the whole comparisons that you made before. Get to see a lot of this stuff, you know, up close and personal. So, yeah. 2013, sure. I definitely would give it a give it a uh, a try. But I will say this, you know, what you guys said about the events that happen only once in a while, or once in a you know when you when you do play that game, uh, that right there sounds like an amazing concept. Because uh, you know, I, and, and I and I and I will believe why something like that would be popular, that you can definitely connect with others on and talk about. I mean, that right there definitely sounds like a reason alone to pick up the game. I did not know they had those type of scenarios where things happen like like that. Um, epic events, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, definitely very interested in the game, and hopefully I'll check it out in, you know, in, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend that you get a gaming PC when you can because I know a lot of people, the fear is that, Oh well, it's so complicated, and it costs so much money to get a good gaming PC. But it really doesn't, especially if you consider the fact on all the money you're going to save getting games. I mean, if you if you just waited for sales on sites like Steam and you know all the other gaming sites where you can buy games and played free to play games for I mean even just every now and then, not not only would you spend less money, but you would be able to play more games. For less money. I mean, right now, for example, Steam's having their autumn sales. And if you had just waited, you know, for some people that, for some of the newer games that came out, like Dishonored, you can get that for $30 right now. Oh. You can get the Game of the Year edition of Arkham City, which is an older game, but that's $7.50. Yeah, see that? Borderlands 2, $30 right now. (laughs) Deus Ex Human Revolution, which has been out a while, but yeah, $5. You can get the yeah, Ultimate look. Edition of Dragon Age Origins, $9. Oh. Oh. So you go get that. I already have it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I looked at those sales earlier, man, and like, those, uh, I almost like spent a fortune on those sales. I almost bought everything because <laughs> everything was like under £10. Like, they had Deus Ex there for under £10. They had Crisis 2 for under £10. Like, there were so many games that I've thought about playing. Yeah, and the great thing is that this stuff isn't rare. Like, they do this for different games every single day. Every weekend they have, uh, like, game trials where you can play in a game for as much as you want that weekend free of charge. And then buy it later if you want. They have autumn sales, winter sales, summer sales... I mean, there's there's stuff all the time. I got every single GTA game ever made for like seven dollars about a year ago. <laughs> what wow, that that is crazy. 
that's a crazy deal. Right yeah, and I mean, a lot of people think it's just you know the older games that are like that, but I mean, I listed off games that have just came out within a month or so, like Dishonored and Borderlands Two, and I see right here they even have um, where where was it? There's another game that just came out recently, XCOM Enemy Unknown. They have for about thirty five dollars. Oh yeah, that game. So I mean, there's it's all kinds of crazy sales like that, and that's not even considering the free stuff. Like, all the MMOs and games that you can play for free, it's ridiculous. Like, they have Lord of the Rings Online, they have um, Champions Online, they have different shooters that you can play, they have sports games, strategy games, all kinds of stuff that you can just download and play for free. So, yeah, I mean, once you get a gaming PC, if you can get a good deal, you will have trouble playing your console for anything other than an exclusive game. That's what I think. Sounds good to me. I have no complaint with that. And this is... A lot of people are... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, a lot of people are put off by the whole keyboard and mouse thing, but, you know, people need to know that you can just literally plug in your, your Xbox controller, or you can buy any USB controller for a pretty decent price on Amazon. Yeah, just I, I was just in. about to say that. Combined yeah. with the fact that you can most TVs support plugging in your PC and you can do the Steam big picture mode where it's yeah. so easy to navigate with a controller. Like you can set up your PC so whenever you turn it on it automatically boots up into Steam big picture and it's basically going to be a new console. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that PC gaming... I mean, it's, it's definitely not going anywhere. I wouldn't say that it's suffering in any way. That, you know, More people don't need to look into it, but I think that people miss out if they just dismiss it as something that's too expensive because it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. And with that, let's move into a console exclusive now that I've been wanting to talk about. <laughs> Speaking of those exclusives that you should keep a console around for, um, this game, a lot of people haven't really heard about. It's kind of one of those obscure, you know, Japanese games that doesn't really get a whole lot of attention overseas. Um, but it, it looks pretty incredible. It's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Studio Ghibli, I think is how you pronounce it, or Ghibli. Oh, Studio Ghibli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a lot of those animated movies that are really popular. Oh, yeah, I know them. And um, them and Level 5 Studios, which have you know been around for a while, they make a lot of really good RPGs. They're, com- they're joining forces to make... Uh, the game's already out in Japan, but it's called Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. And if you're listening right now and you haven't heard of this game, I would recommend you immediately Google it and look up a trailer or look at screenshots. Because it, it looks just like one of their animated movies. The art style is absolutely incredible. And the general uh, premise of the game is a kid and his... You know, it's like a little stuffed animal toy that he has. Um, something ends up happening where his mom dies. And he has to go into this other world to find... Um, I think it's what's called his soulmate or something like that. Or his mom's soulmate that can bring his mom back to life. So that's the that's the general premise of the story. It's um, 
know, you play as a little kid, so it has a lot of kind of childish, sort of heartwarming, cute things in the game. But at the same time, there's, you know, just like all of their different movies they make, there's a lot of dark elements. And it's, you know, it's a story about kind of him coming of age and growing up. And it, it looks really good. The gameplay is kind of a mixture of an action RPG and Pokemon. Because you capture these different creatures and stuff, and then in, in combat you can have them fight for you and do different abilities and stuff like that. It's, I mean, th- it's one of my most anticipated games for next year, and that's including things like Last of Us and South Park. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to this game. It's it's looking really nice. It was even the cover story on Game Informer last month, and um, yeah, it's it's looking really really good. I don't know if either of you have heard about this game. I have not heard of it, but um, from the way you described it, you know, and I, I did actually look it up on Wikipedia earlier when you mentioned it, and it looks like something I would try. So, you know, I'll keep a, I'll keep a look out for it. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend everyone looking into this game. It's it's looking really nice. It's uh, going to be a PS3 exclusive. Uh, yeah, so I'm definitely interested in seeing how it progresses and uh speaking of sony exclusives um i wanted to talk a little bit about what you guys think of the future of the vita especially as it relates to rpgs Uh, i talked about ragnarok odyssey a little bit earlier and uh, there's a game coming out early next year called soul sacrifice that looks really good but there's really not a whole lot of stuff on the rpg front to look forward to for vita owners and yeah, I mean the the games on Vita are lacking in general, but I think there's you know there's a big opportunity for developers to just put tons of RPG games on there because the thing is with RPGs it's like you have to put so much time into them, but if you could have that experience while on the move, you know that's really appealing because then you you know you can load up your Vita when you're at a bus stop or on a train or you know on your lunch break whatever, and then just make some progress in the game, you know, during those specific times, and then you can you know feel like you're getting somewhere instead of having to wait while you're at home and spend hours on you know sitting in front of the TV on the game. Yeah, exactly. I think you know that's especially true for. JRPGs, definitely, because they usually have a lot of grinding you have to do. And yeah. I think that the PSP had a lot of good RPGs, so I think it. I mean, the future should be bright for the Vita, but the lack of announcements, really, or any indication that they're going to be getting the games kind of has me a little skeptical. I mean, it, it just seems like it would make so much sense for them to make you know a whole slew of awesome RPGs, like you said, because the Vita, you can pick up and play, you know, grind out a few levels while you're on the bus. While you're walking somewhere, you can do a few fights. And the way the Vita works is you can suspend a game at any time, and the battery almost never dies. So, yeah. I mean, the battery life's incredible. You can take it with you somewhere, and it'll last you a whole day. You can play it off and on. I mean, it, it seems like an RPG would be perfect. And then for the moments in the game that are the really big boss battles, you could, you know... You could take breaks with that, and you can't really do that on a console, which is why some yeah, people yeah. are kind of put off. So I think it's a really good opportunity. And yeah, um, I think it's like the perfect platform for JRPGs. Like I'd probably be 
more willing to play a JRPG on my Vita than on my PS3. Yeah, definitely. And I think this even is true for the bigger, open-world, more Western-style RPGs. Like, after playing Assassin's Creed Liberation and Uncharted and Gravity Rush, I mean, I've seen that the Vita can produce some amazing visuals in a big open world. Like, playing Liberation, I feel like I'm playing a PS3 game. And the world is really big, the map is huge, there's tons of stuff to do. So I think that they could take that idea and put it into an RPG and it would work perfectly on the Vita. Like, I could... I would If they ported Dragon's Dogma or Kingdoms of Amalur which won't happen because that company died, but if a game like that were put yeah. on the Vita, I would buy it instantly. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say that because before you said that, I was thinking about that. If only that game in particular was on Vita, yeah, well, that would have been excellent. That would have been great. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, studio was over. And see, what I'm hoping for is... I'm hoping for more original IPs. Like, Liberation and Uncharted were great, you know, but I want them to create a big game like that that's original for the Vita. And I think Gravity Rush is a good example that it can be done. Ragnarok Odyssey is a pretty good game, too. But I think they have a real opportunity to, to create, you know, a franchise on the Vita that could be really, really big. And I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it happens. If not, then the next big open-world RPG that comes out on consoles, I'd be fine with importing it, because I would, I would love to play that game on the Vita. Yeah, I agree. There's a big, like, I don't know what companies are thinking, because there's, like, the, the Vita has tons of potential, and there's a big opportunity for a company to just make an original game for, for that platform. You know, don't port it to consoles or anything, just make it for that platform perfect it you know and i think it's something that that will be really great for both the vr and the company that makes the game but i guess people don't want to take that risk yeah i mean after e3 i bet a lot of companies were just like wow well if sony doesn't even care about their vita then why should we well yeah, yeah. this is absolutely true mm-hmm and so I think that was a huge misstep when the only thing they really showed about the Vita was the logo for Declassified, which turned out to be awful. Well, yeah, I think everybody knew that would be awful. It, it, all, it, all it takes is just one really good idea on the Vita to, to make it, you know, revolutionary. It I just takes, It will just take one company to do something completely original. That's all it needs. Yeah, I mean, I haven't... I, I was disappointed in my Vita, but then PlayStation Plus happened, and they brought that over, and I'm very happy with it now, to know that free games are coming to the Vita, since I'm a Plus member. So, you know, I've already played Uncharted, but I can go back and play that now. I got Gravity Rush, that uh, Final Fantasy Tactics game from the PSP, uh, the Mutant Blob game, Wipeout, Jet Set Radio. So, I mean... People that have a Vita are probably going to keep them just because they want to get something out of that investment. So I think that they need to make a game that people will want to buy a Vita for. And I think that could be the kind of game that people would want to buy a Vita for. Yeah. So, I don't know. What What do you guys think about the Wii U 
as far as its RPG future goes. Because they're near the end of the Wii's life cycle, they had a few good games come out finally over on you know Western audiences like Last Story and Xenoblade Chronicles, and there were so, there were some good games, but I don't know. I feel like the Wii U also has the opportunity to be pretty successful for RPGs to find a home on. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think especially with the touch screen, you know, there's some some great ideas that, you know, could be executed because, you know, you could pro- probably have, like, your whole inventory or something on the screen and, you know, you control your characters on the TV or whatever. Like, I think that idea would be pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, especially whenever it comes to stuff like tactical RPGs, like strategy RPGs, like Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem especially, because that's a Nintendo exclusive, that having that touchscreen be able to, where you can move your troops around, and then have the action play out on the TV screen, or even Advance yeah. Wars is another good example, that that would be really awesome for the Wii U, and I think people would, would love that, because it, it would require the touchscreen, it would really utilize the touchscreen in a good way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to do something like that. Like, it's just it's just so perfect. It's so good an idea that you just can't ignore it. It's inevitable. Yeah. Speaking of, I would also love a Pokemon game on the Wii U. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm sure there'll be one. That would be so fantastic. Yeah, you know, I would say Wii U definitely has a lot more potential than Vita as far as the... uh well, not just RPG games. It's about the actual people making the games. But uh, at the same time, we'll we'll see. It's very early in the cycle for Wii U. You know, I was reading an article the other day in which they were basically saying that they would they had they they did very good on sales so far. Uh, of course, they haven't started selling in UK. That won't happen until next week. But um, yeah, I mean. There's a certain number that third parties are looking at for that Wii U to hit as far as, uh, you know, the sales and turnover. If it doesn't hit that number, then it's going to be kind of difficult for other companies to feel confident that they they can put their material out on the device. So hopefully they will hit that number. Last time I checked, they are, uh, they're maybe at the halfway point of where they need to be at as far as hitting that number. So they can get it. They can get it there, but you know we'll see what happens. To be determined. But yeah, you know I would love to see some more games out on both that and the Vita. But if you ask me, I think Wii U definitely will have, should. It seems like it should have way more of those games on there, only because yeah, this is Nintendo, and they got, like you said before, they got licenses that they've already have. They have their own IPs that are RPG based. As well as, you know, they got some good relationships with some third-party developers already. So, a lot of potential. Yep, and for those people who who think that, you know, I'm I'm not that big on Nintendo games or I've never played such and such, (laughs) whatever. Like, I just want to say that Pokemon is the game that actually got me into RPGs. Because I, I had a Game Boy, and I had Pokemon Red, and that was the game that got me into playing RPGs. So, yeah. Let it be known. In the Coalition history books, that Gary's first RPG was a Nintendo game. 
Yeah, there you go. That, that's, A lot of people don't know that. That's some <laughs> exclusive information. You said it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, so I guess that just about wraps everything up. If uh, there's anything you, that you want us to cover on the next episode, make sure you let us know in the comments and please discuss the things that we've discussed here. Uh, we're going to try to make these more regular, as I promised before, but this time I really mean it seriously from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, and yeah. of course, it Especially will happen. with Rich keeping us in line. <laughs> we don't have any wiggle room anymore. We can't say, oh, maybe next week. No, he's he's going to bring <laughs> the law down. <laughs> yes, it will be, we'll be, we'll be much more consistent with this show. Yeah, so make sure you thank Rich for all the consistent podcasts that are going to come from here on. And if they don't, and, um, you can blame just him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, before we do go, I just want to say, you know, a big shout out to David and, you know, his new site, PlayStation University. He's now the editor-in-chief there, but he's still, you know, working with the coalition and everything. So, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, big shout out to you because that's a good situation you got going over there. And I'm loving the new I'm loving the new direction and the content on the site. So props. Thank you. Yes. Everyone should go check it out. We're getting a new theme soon, so just you know, don't don't judge yet. Alright, thanks for listening everybody. You can join us in about two weeks for episode twelve. Alright, look out for the cult podcast next week. Yes. Peace.